Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. I am really excited because this week, Sweaty Betty are supporting the podcast and in doing so are helping to ensure that I get to keep putting out this weekly show. When I first started Another Kind, I wrote a list of all the brands that it would be a dream for me to work with, and Sweaty Betty was one of those brands. So it does feel a little bit like a dream come true that they are working with me on the podcast. Because not only do I absolutely love the product, I've worn their leggings for years, and let me tell you, they last incredibly well. I also love what the brand stands for and how female empowerment really is at the core of the brand. You can absolutely tell that they've got an all-female design team. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I've just started very slowly exercising again now that Rose is three months and I've been wearing my Sweaty Betty Zero Gravity Leggings. They are super comfortable and really flattering, which is giving me confidence as I'm slowly getting out there into the world of exercise again. I mean, let's be honest I'm also wearing the leggings a lot when I'm not exercising let's be real and they also look great as I'm on the nursery run or just running around with the girls so I would love you to try Sweaty Betty and you can get 20% off full price product with code MOTHERKIND so that's MOTHERKIND at the checkout for 20% off now on to this week's episode Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. How are you all doing? Week three of lockdown. I hope that you are all well. I'm sending you lots of love and patience and I really hope that you are lowering the expectations of yourself. Whatever you are doing to get through this time it is okay. You are okay. And I am pretty sure you are doing a far better job than you think you're doing. I'm really excited to bring you this week's episode because I know so many of you, I keep hearing from Instagram and a lot of you have been emailing me as well about your concerns about homeschooling and the fear that you might have of your child falling behind or are they watching too much TV and not doing enough you know maths or whatever it may be depending on their age so I wanted to get an expert in to talk to us all about how to handle some of those challenges and that expert is Natalie Costa she runs a business called Power Thoughts which is all about helping children with negativity and anxiety in not only their academics, Natalie's an ex-teacher, but also in everything from making friends to their body confidence. So Natalie talks to us and she has such great simple tools about children's emotions and how we can manage those big feelings that I'm sure 
many children are experiencing right now. And also she shares some amazing ideas if you are feeling that pressure around homeschooling. In fact, she says we shouldn't even call it homeschooling. And she says why in the podcast, which I think is really insightful. So I hope that this episode is super useful. Please do comment on Instagram, share with Natalie and I what you found to be any aha moments that you might have had or what you found a really good tool from the episode. We love hearing from you. And if you did really enjoy it, as always, I really appreciate you sharing it with other people. As you know, I think wisdom and the guests that I get on the podcast need to be heard far and wide so please help me do that and here is this week's episode Natalie welcome to the Motherkind podcast thanks so much Zoe so lovely to chat to you today we've known each other a long time but for some reason I haven't had you on until now so I'm super excited especially at this time when I think your work around helping children manage their emotions is so necessary have you been inundated with inquiries yeah I mean it's actually been a very vibrant time I was telling a friend of mine there's been so much going on and obviously I've had messages from parents and schools seeking help in terms of what do I say to my children or you know my child has got all these big feelings or the worries the anxieties they're struggling to sleep so it's been a very very busy time indeed yeah so trying to practice what I preach and make sure we're staying balanced as well do you know what I mean because like we said before we just on the chat how it's just like you can't even make this up and we've never been through something like this before it feels like we're a little bit still in a dream sometimes so let's start there then you mentioned big feelings and that's something that I've been hearing a lot from my clients as well and on Instagram and other channels is that a lot of children are struggling with fear and anxiety and that's being manifested in more tantrums some regression behavior not wanting to sleep can you talk to that what a parent should do if they're experiencing some of that from their child and maybe a guidance on different age groups would be really helpful as well first of all I think to understand that you know, what's been happening, first of all, came as a big shock. So I think a couple of weeks ago when it was announced that schools were closed, I found, you know, I felt that there was a real sense of panic and how are we going to cope? How are we going to do this? Working from home, homeschooling. There's a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, as humans, we don't like uncertainty. We like to have control. We like to know what's going to happen next. We like to have a sense of knowing what some of our plans are going to entail. So I think at the moment, for us as adults, as parents, there's a lot of uncertainty. And obviously for children who are used to the structure and routine of schools, used to seeing their friends, all of that uncertainty has come into play. They are not feeling in control. And so their whole world is almost like turned a little bit upside down as well, as is ours, but they don't always have the words to express that. And I think, yes, like you said, it can manifest itself in different ways in terms of meltdowns, the big feelings, the worry, the clinginess, not sleeping. So I think, first of all, is just acknowledge and understand that if your child is acting a little bit out of character or has got more of those big feelings, you know, recognize obviously that we are sitting in a, in a situation where things are very uncertain. So expect that those feelings might be there is what I'm going to be saying. 
I think the other thing is as well is to acknowledge those fears and really talk about the fears if your child is demonstrating that they're saying worried or they're feeling scared or they're feeling afraid of what's happening. Parents would often say, you know, well, what do I say to my child in terms of the pandemic and what is happening? And I think what's really important there is Go with what your child comes to you with, because like we said, developmentally appropriate, a five-year-old, we don't want to be giving them all the facts and the figures. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, when the coronavirus was starting, we were becoming more aware of it. Children started to hear about it, whereas some didn't really know about it, whereas now I think everybody knows about it. So it is about, you know, what do you know about this? You know, what are your understandings of it? But then seeing what they give you and then answering the questions, following on from their information. I'd also say, you know, keep the information quite factual and concise. So remove the emotion from it and just give them the necessary like short snippets, but it doesn't have to be the drama. Like, I mean, the news, for example, is something I'd definitely say, monitor how and when you watch that with your children. I think know the facts, but also let's shift the focus because a lot of children that I've been working with would say, I'm really afraid, obviously, of, you know, mommy or daddy getting sick or I'm getting sick and so many people have died. This is one of the things that came up with my clients. But then, you know, we looked at it and be like, well, this is what's happening and the news job is to look and kind of zoom in on all of these factors. But let's also shift the focus and think, well, how many people have recovered from this and how many people are getting better? Who are the helpers in this situation you know the doctors the nurses who are the people that are helping so again just making sure where are we shifting their focus to for the slightly older ones with the little ones I think it really is about seeing what do they come to you with what is it that they come to you with and then answering their questions in that way I think the big thing here is to acknowledge with them yes it's okay to feel scared it's okay to feel worried but you know what can we do as well so so right now, you know, mummy is healthy, daddy is healthy. We're going to FaceTime granny and grandpa tonight. What can we do to take back that control? Because when we worry, you know, worry can easily be escalated into all of the things that are not within my control. We're actually, let's just bring back that focus. What is one thing that I can do that's in my control? And yeah, just acknowledging those fears. I feel like I've gone on a round on a tangent now in terms of your question. It's just like, it's just gone off there. But I think the main thing really is about acknowledging the fears and also letting them know it's okay to feel those feelings and connecting. I think really connecting to what they're feeling and let them know that they are being heard and allowing the space for those feelings are a few things that I can recommend. I read something, I think it was, Dan Siegel. Yes. In, uh, the Whole Brain Child, which is a book I recommend to everyone. He says that tantrums and meltdowns are actually the way that children release stress. Mm. And I remembered that this morning and I was thinking about talking to you because I think so often we can see those tantrums and meltdowns as negative or bad or wrong. And actually, what would it look like? Do you recommend this, that we reframe those as actually, this is great. My child is getting all that feeling out and so often as adults we don't do that and we know the impact of chronic unfelt stress is quite severe so is that something you would recommend parents reframing as almost seeing those big feelings the the meltdowns the cries as stress relief yeah absolutely and I think as well and you're absolutely right there 
none of these feelings are bad feelings. Getting angry is not a bad feeling because often children will, when I teach them, it's like, oh, well, I can't feel angry or I can't feel jealous. That's not a bad feeling. It's just information. And obviously, yes, with regards to brain development, when they express their emotions, you know, part of that is down to we're not expecting them to behave the way that we would because their brain is still under development. But it is a way of releasing that stress. And I think if we can reframe it, first of all, that they're not having this big feeling or this tantrum, let's call that, to me, they are actually drowning in that feeling is how I like to see it. And a friend of mine used this great metaphor, which I borrow, but she said, you know, imagine that you're lying by a swimming pool in the sun and you just keep feeling this splash of water on your leg. And in the beginning, it's a little bit annoying. It's a little bit frustrating. But as time goes on, you are starting to get annoyed. So you get up to see whatever is causing the splash. But then when you get to the pool, you see that actually it's your child who's struggling. And it's that shift. Now, I mean, I'm not going to carry on with that metaphor, but it's that shift of my child is struggling with this feeling right now. So they're struggling with this feeling of uncertainty. They're struggling with this feeling of worry, of lack of control. They're struggling within this big feeling and they don't yet have the words to express how they feel. And they also don't really don't understand what it is that they feel. But they ultimately, it comes back down to that fear, isn't it? Because a stress response is triggered. So we're in that fight or flight response. And, you know, getting that stress out is a good way. So things that I teach is... It's about changing the state. And I think, you know, it might be useful for listeners perhaps after this to sit with their children, think about what are some things that we can do that's going to help me, you know, feel safe or feel grounded. Sometimes when I work with children, it's about my power zone toolbox. You know, what's going to make me feel empowered? So that might be that I perhaps need to run around or, you know, I call something called a power playlist where we choose some songs and we'll move our body as fast as we can to kind of get rid of that big feeling. We move it to lose it. Could it be that I need to do some of those deep belly breaths? I mean, there's many that I teach. There's something called Take Five, which is a really lovely grounding one where you get children, you know, to take their one hand and then their finger on the other side and they literally just breathe in through their belly and breathe out through their nose and we breathe in and we breathe out you keep going so you fill your belly up with air and then you slowly breathe out as you're tracing up and down and the take five is really lovely because it's that tactile sensation that kind of brings us grounds us you know back to something tactile but those deep belly breaths also lowers that stress response and the levels of cortisol and the fight or flight response and other things as well you know I was working with another little boy the other day so one of his tools was well how many press-ups wall press-ups can I do in a minute he was a little bit older he's eight very sporty but if he's got all these big feelings the breathing might not work but actually let's turn this into a game. How many wall press-ups can I do in a minute? And can I beat that score as well? You know, as we started just shifting the state and getting it out. And as I was telling the other little boy the other day, when we were talking about his fears in terms of let's write down some of your worries, it's better out than in, you know, we use the analogy of perhaps trapped wind, which he loved, you know, because he was a little boy, but he was like, it's better to get my fears, my worries out than to keep them stuck inside in here. So I think, yes, reframing it that 
my child is struggling with this feeling and also it's a release of that feeling. And so what can we do to help them release that feeling in a way that is safe, that keeps them safe? And also in a way, I suppose, that we can reframe it. So I'm releasing this feeling in a way so that I'm staying empowered, that I'm in control of these things rather than as I teach children, you know, that flipping of the lid where I flip my lid and my thinking brain's not in power and my feeling brain has taken over. So what can I do to take back some of that power? That's such a good analogy, isn't it, with the thinking brain? Because, you know, I got taught that when Jessie is having a meltdown or she's really upset, she actually can't hear me. Like that is not the time for me and try to rationalise this feeling. She cannot hear me. No, and I'll often say to parents, you know, that it's, if the lid has come off and we have now got this big feeling, ride it out, ride it out. There's no point intervening in that point. But when they are on the other side and it will pass, it will pass. When they are on the other side, that's when we can have a discussion about. So what I typically encourage children to do is, so, you know, when you got really upset because your brother took your iPad, where did you feel those big feelings in your body? Because I teach children about the physiological sensations in our body. So we look at these as our body signals to start recognizing, you know, my heart's beating faster, I'm clenching my muscles. Or as one little girl said to me, you know, there's like a fog that just comes down and I can't think straight. So those are little signals telling me, going off my body, that my big feelings are on the way. Having that conversation. So what did it feel like in your body just before you got really cross, you know? Sometimes when mummy gets cross, you know, using yourself as a model, you know, when mummy gets cross, sometimes breathing gets really fast. And then we look at, well, what could have helped you in that moment? You know, what could we have done? Could we power breathing help you? Would you like some time out? So a family that I worked with, they actually, the little boy decided to come up with a code word. And his code word basically meant I need five minutes. So just five minutes. And that's quite funny. I mean, he called it smelly bananas, which I thought was brilliant because that in itself just like would sometimes dissolve the situation because he's like, oh, smelly bananas, you know, <laughs> which means obviously it needs some time out, but it's also quite funny. And I'm not saying that that worked all the time, but having that conversation with them afterwards, let's reflect upon that. What would have helped you or what could you have done? And they would need our guidance, obviously, depending on their age. They might not know, but you know, having some strategies and tools of would power breathing help you? Would you like to maybe sit and cuddle your toy or as a little girl last year, who was five, who really struggled with big feelings. She said, actually, I think I'd like just to read my book on feelings by myself and be away from everybody. So I think, you know, it's expecting that big things take place like in that moment, like you said, then they're not going to hear you. So in those moments, ride it out, but then we can come back to it afterwards again. Fantastic. So I wanted to ask you about homeschooling, which I know is a real pinch point right now. And I'm wondering, what are some of the challenges that you're hearing about homeschooling? What are some of the tools that you can share? I'm not doing it, but I imagine there's a lot of conflict arising and a lot of stress and both parties losing it, parent and child. Yeah, I mean, homeschooling. So I'd like to reframe that actually, because I think with homeschooling, that's a choice where we choose to take our child out of school and we choose to step into that teacher role. So, you know, in reminding parents of what we're going through now was not a choice. 
So we're having to maybe home teach or home educate. I know quite a few parents I'm working with have chosen not to do the home learning at all, just because they said it's just it's too much pressure. And also I find maybe with older clients, it's easier because they can keep themselves busy for a length of time. But I'm finding, you know, parents are feeling overwhelmed with the amount of work that's being sent. And by all, I mean, schools are just doing a phenomenal job. You know, we're all in this. This is all new for all of us. But parents are like, well, I don't know how to do the phonics. I'm not sure how to do long division. My child brings this to me. I have no idea. Children are telling me they are finding it hard because in class they could put up their hand and the teacher would be there, whereas now they have to message or email and then they have to wait and parents might not know. So I think, yeah, overall it's causing a lot of stress and anxiety and overwhelm. My suggestion is... I think, you know, choose and decide what is going to work for you and your family. And I think, you know, like I'm not going to say conversations have the parents with them have chosen not to do it, but they'll bring in maths and English in other ways, such as creative writing or watching a documentary and then children write a report on that or write a story about that. You're getting your writing in there in any case. And they might just focus on a little bit of mental maths in the morning and reading. But my opinion is lean in with what feels good for you and your family. If the workbooks and the online learning is causing too much stress and anxiety, but your children are engaged in other focused activities, whether that is like the one family, you know, know, watching the documentaries or building a fort outside or math puzzles and math games, that is learning in itself as well. And just before the call, we were talking about the other activities that you're busy doing as well. And it kind of makes me think those nourishing activities that we sometimes don't get time for because our day is always so busy. So my big recommendation here is if you're feeling overwhelmed and it's causing more stress, I would actually even suggest park it to the side because we are in a very stressful situation and the main key that we need to be looking after here is our emotional well-being and our children's emotional well-being and again no judgment I'm not saying right let Johnny play on the PlayStation all day every day you know but if elements of longer screen time or other activities that are not what you'd normally would do with bring some of those that heightened emotional states down and bring everyone to a space where they're feeling safe and grounded That's what we need to do because we're not in a normal situation. We've never been faced with this before. And by putting all that extra pressure on ourselves as parents, we're not going to be doing anyone any favors. And don't underestimate how much valuable learning there is in other activities that you can do. Even grocery shopping, get them to weigh things and multiplication and division. And, you know, little ones can sort according to colors, shapes and sizes. There's so many other opportunities for that, that it doesn't have to be the structured learning if you feel that that's causing way too much overwhelm for you. And have you heard any fear from parents about... So recognizing actually that the home learning is causing too much stress, but they might be really worried about their child falling behind. You know, have you heard any of those fears? And what would you say to a parent who was worried about that? Yeah, I mean, I have, I've heard some parents say, you know, they're worried that their children will fall behind. And I think we have to understand that, as I was saying to you before, with with schools, and I'm not in a school setting anymore, so I don't know what their plans are, but I would 
like to think that schools would expect that there are going to be gaps in learning when children go back and there will be scaffolding and facilitation to fill those gaps in whatever way that's going to look. And if you are worried about the learning, like I said, you can do smaller pockets of that. For me, I would suggest doing a little bit of reading every day and a little bit of math, some kind of math activity, but whether that is a math game or a math puzzle or Sudoku or quick fire maths, you know, times tables whilst we're busy packing the dishes away, keeping those part of the brains active and encouraging children to continue flexing those muscles. I would say, you know, going back after this to school, everyone is going to be in different levels. And it's really interesting because I am based, so part of my work is obviously client private work, but then I'm also based in schools. And I've given my programs to schools, particularly the school that I'm in every week. And I know not half the amount of downloads has been done from the schools that I'm in. In a school of over 500 children, I think there's only been maybe 20 to 30 downloads that have been done. And, you know, in in chatting to teachers, they're also saying they get it in bits and bobs and not everybody's able to access it. So I think if we're able to educate our children from our side through those everyday activities and those valuable life skills as well, we are doing a good job. And sometimes I think what this might highlight for schools is perhaps there's room to start implementing other learning material and learning about additional things versus just what the subjects that we get taught. I think sometimes that can be a little bit outdated. So it might be a good opportunity to bring in more areas of learning around resilience and life skill and coping with change, which we're doing now. Well, that's something I wanted to ask you about because, you know, I have, I guess, quite an unusual view. Maybe it's not that unusual, but my view is that, you know, Jessie's emotional development is more important than her academic development. And so for me, I put that lens on everything that I do with her and she does go to nursery and she will go to school. But for me, because of my own experiences, you know, I was an academic high flyer, but I had no emotional tools, which basically meant that I had a breakdown and I could, you know, I was lucky that I was able to keep working, to be honest. So that's why for me, the emotional resilience, confidence, esteem, because I think when you have those, you can do anything in life. You can retrain to be a doctor at 40 if you've got the esteem, you know, and you can go back and do your A-levels or your GCSEs or at any point you can enter education if you have those emotional foundations. A, I'd love to know your view on that. And also with that in mind, what else could we be teaching our children at this time? How could we be teaching them resilience? How could we be teaching them some of those more, I think, fundamental skills for life than long division I'll say it like I don't think that useful I think it's really useful to know that you love yourself and you like yourself and how to weather change and how to navigate relationships I think that's far more important love to know your view yeah I am so with you on that going to the first bit of what you said around the importance of emotional awareness resilience above the academics. And that's obviously why I do what I do. Because to me, when I used to be a teacher, I really struggled because it's like there is so much more that I feel is more important. And yes, these things are important. We have to learn how to read and write and obviously add. But if you've got all of those skills, but you can't interact and you aren't able to adapt to change, you're unable to deal with rejection and disappointment and failure. 
I feel that that's more important, which is obviously what I do with power thoughts. It's about teaching children not to believe every thought you think or respond to everything you feel and to shift perspective when it comes to those difficult challenges that we have. Because similar to you, I mean, I also academic and I attached a lot of my self-worth to the scores I achieved and the and I had to get the straight A's and if I didn't then I wasn't good enough and always feeling you know the imposter syndrome definitely of not feeling good enough and I think it took me a long time to get to the point of really rewriting some of those limiting beliefs and those limiting stories that I had and I wish that I had what I know now available when I was a child because that would have made me just so much more confident and stronger because I definitely wasn't but it's led me to this point so I mean you know I'm glad to be where I am today being able to give this to children and I think emotional development and emotional awareness and building children's emotional vocabulary is so key and going on to the second bit of what you said about how can we teach resilience now and ultimately helping our children feel comfortable with those uncomfortable feelings because as much as we want to, we want to protect them. We want to keep them safe. We want not for them to be hurt. But those opportunities when we're stretched, when we are disappointed, if I don't make the football team, yes, that's painful. And let's sit with that painful feeling. Let's grieve. Let's cry. Let's get angry. But then let's shift that. And then let's look at, well, what is the learning in this? And how is this a good thing? And how will this help me grow? What do I know now that I didn't know before? Ultimately, being less afraid of making those mistakes. When I started Power Thoughts, I did a survey. And I mean, it was just my, the school I was in. It was a one-form entry school in inner London. And over 92% of children said they were afraid of getting things wrong, afraid of making mistakes. And I think it's really about shifting that perspective. I'm sure you can relate. We're afraid of getting things wrong. We don't want to get things wrong. And sometimes it's really hard when we're learning something new. It's like exercise, that new muscle. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh my goodness, this is really hard. But I think if we can start to allow opportunities to stretch our children And I'll give you an example. It's quite a silly example, but I was talking to a family last week that I've just finished working with and we were exploring, you know, what can they do to support their son get comfortable feeling uncomfortable? Because at the moment, he's kind of like the top dog in his school. It's a lovely little school he's in, but they're a new school. So every year that he goes up a year, he's the top group of the school. So basically, there's no year five and year six above him. But obviously, when he gets to secondary school, it's going to be a big different ball game so how can we support him and it took me back to that and I'm not sure who it was but I remember watching this video about this gentleman who wanted to get comfortable with being rejected so he would go to Starbucks and to Pret and to all these places asking for free coffees asking for absurd things and people would obviously say no and I think he said but after time 100 he was so used to hearing no that it didn't make him feel, he's like, okay, that's fine. And it, it kind of flexed his muscle against that rejection. Now, this is not what I recommended for their son, but we did look at other things that we could do to flex him out of his comfort zone. And one thing that actually came up now that we're in this whole pandemic and we can't see our friends is he's quite shy in being videoed and having the videos sent to his friends. So that's a great opportunity to stretch his muscle in terms of doing something, oh, you know, this feels a little bit uncomfortable and now I'm on camera. But the more we do that, 
I'm getting comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling was one of the things that they were going to give a go with him. Every child is different, but it takes me back to that. And you must be familiar with, you know, the zones of comfort exercise, the comfort zone, the courage zone and the panic zone. It's a little bit of a dance, but how can we stretch our children into that stretch zone where we might have those feelings of nerves, but, you know, we're also going to be learning something new. It's a little bit exciting, but it's not that much in the panic zone that we're completely panicked, but how can kind of stretch them just into that stretch zone where we are making the mistakes, we are getting rejected, we are feeling disappointed, but we're looking at that from a space of learning and then applying some of those questions of what is good about this? What do I know now that I didn't know before? Who is doing what I want to be doing? What have I learned about this? Even one of the little boys that I was working with, their school's in lockdown, but he was sick the week before. So he was really upset because he wasn't able to say goodbye to his friends. But when we apply some of these tools, he said, actually, do what's good about this. He's like, I'm getting to work on my fitness. I'm running up and down in the garden. It's making me a better footballer. And despite all these challenges, what is the positive that I can take from this? Now that's minute, but that's just showing, you know, how he's able to shift his perspective, which is how we, you know, I'd suggest, you know, how to shift our children's perspective and even our own as well. Because I think sometimes, you know, I know still, despite what I do, I can still be quite fixed mindset in certain things. And it's about consciously waking up and being like, okay, how can I look at this in a different way? That's such a powerful question to ask ourselves and our children, isn't it? How can we look at this time in a different way? You know, I think the question on the sheet that we had that I created for him was, you know, despite things being difficult or despite this challenge, whatever the challenge might have been, what's one positive that we can get from this? And actually, the other thing he touched on there, just in terms of the pandemic, he said, well, actually, climate change, this is such a good time for the world. And I was really surprised because he's a very, I mean, he's only eight. And I was like, well, you know, he's, he's clearly, you know, very aware of what's going on. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the final question. But before I do, just with all of your tools, could you share, I know you've got an amazing toolkit that's probably got hundreds of tools in, but could you share maybe three that you haven't shared already that parents could put into practice with their children straight away? in terms of helping them manage their big feelings or the uncertainty or the fear or their mindset? Well, I'll start with the big feelings. So one thing that I definitely recommend when we look at big feelings is recognizing when I said the body signals, but then actually tapping into my power breathing. So power breathing is when we take those deep belly breaths into our diaphragm, breathe in through our nose for three counts and out through our mouth for five counts. I also encourage if you've got little children, let's take a small soft toy. Let's put that onto your belly when you lie down. That's our breathing buddy. And that helps us to do those deep belly breaths. Power breathing is really useful because when we start to feel those big feelings and we're able to implement power breathing, it brings that thinking brain back down. It keeps that prefrontal cortex engaged and it brings us back to that space of calm. Something else, if your children are feeling worried, and this also can kind of 
be shifted a bit into self-doubt or the negative chatter that I work a lot on with children is we create a character called our unwelcome visitor. And the unwelcome visitor, we give it a silly name, we draw it to look as silly as possible, and we also give it a silly voice like the voice of Donald Duck or Chipmunks, whatever a funny voice is for you. And the whole idea of the unwelcome visitor is that this is just a thought. This is not me. So recently I was working with a little boy and his unwelcome visitor was called Mr. Smelly Socks. And Mr. Smelly Socks would sometimes tell him, you're such a failure or you're dumb, which I mean, a lot of children would think if I can't do something or something's difficult. But Mr. Smelly Socks could also be the worry thought that we have. So sometimes we create that into our worry character. So recognizing, oh, if I've got those worries, oh, this is Mr. Smelly Socks. Or as a mum recently said to me with her son, if he was showing signs of worry or self-doubt, she'd say, oh, looks like Smelly Socks is in the room right now. What should we tell Smelly Socks? So what that does is it just separates us from this thought. And it's just a thought. I mean, we get to almost, oh, we've made it into the silly, funny character with the voice of Donald Duck. Normally when I do the children, they start to laugh. So it's like, I can't take this thing seriously. But then we can look to, you know, what is it that we can tell Mr. Smelly Socks? So a couple of questions, and it might be helpful to write this down so you can remind yourself to use them. If we've got that unhelpful thought, let's say I'm such a failure. The first power question we ask ourselves to zap this thought is, is this thought 100% true? So 100% true, not 50, 90, 80, 100% and 99% of the time, children have said to me, no, this thought I'm thinking is not true. What would I tell my friend if they had this thought? And I use action. So is it 100% true? What would I tell my friend if they had this thought? Would I tell my friend, oh, you're such a failure? Of course not, is what children say. It's like, you're a good friend or you're good at this. We'd say something encouraging. And then the third question we can use is, what can I tell myself instead? Now, this isn't that rainbow, you know, sugarcoat things. But if, for example, I have the thought of I'm not good at maths, and all of a sudden I think I'm brilliant at maths, that might not work, but I could tell myself my brain's getting stronger or with practice I'm getting better at maths. So that's what I could tell myself instead. So those three superpower questions to zap that unwelcome visitor is something that a lot of children find really empowering, even using the hand gestures. Just is this really 100% true asking a question, what would I tell my friend pointing to somebody else and then pointing your fingers to yourself, you know, what can I tell myself instead? It's a really great way to kind of shift and step out of those unhelpful thoughts that we have. And then finally, anything that changes their state as well. So I briefly touched on the power playlist or move it to lose it, where we move our body to lose those big feelings. So sometimes I would even get my phone and I say, right, I'm going to put the timer on for 30 seconds and you're going to run as fast as you can for 30 seconds. And, you know, then we might go for 45 seconds, but it's like we're losing those big feelings or other families had like a trampoline. They said, so she's like, you know, Susie would just go down to the trampoline and jump up and down for as fast as she could or the power playlist where we choose some songs that we like. And if we can start to feel the big feelings come up or it's the worry or it's, you know, I'm feeling a bit wobbly, put on the song and let's dance down and let's act silly to lose those big feelings and ultimately also changing that state. 
and getting us out of that funky state that we might be in. And it's actually just as useful for us adults too. So, <laughs> Well, all of those, I was thinking most adults need to also know these tools and use these tools. I just yeah. think what you're doing is so fantastic because like you, if I'd have known these or my mum would have known them to teach me, my experience would have been really different. And like you, you know, I have no regrets, but I just feel really excited that we're in a time now where, you know, people like you are just able to talk about this. And I think people are so open and receptive to hearing it right now. And I think that's really exciting because this next generation hopefully could have a different experience of their own emotional well-being and and mental health than perhaps our generation did. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for all those fantastic tools. What I love about your work is it's so practical and I love the way that you make it so fun and interesting for children I think I'm definitely going to be asking you to do some sessions with Jessie before she starts school in September and my final question that I ask everyone on the podcast is if you could give just one gift to all the mums in the world what would that one gift be and why oh you know what instinctively it's drop the pressure and lower the expectations I think remove that word should from the vocabulary we should be doing this it's so easy you know to should all over ourselves and I think just none of us come with a manual or a book to say how we should be brought up and every child is different and I just think we've just really got to lower those expectations and you know, especially in the times that we're in right now, I'm hearing so many mums feel really guilty. And my biggest, biggest gift is let me take that from you because you already are doing a phenomenal job. And I think it's just taking the time to recognize that as well. And let's remove the guilt, the pressure, what we think it should look like, what social media says it should look like. And let's lean into what feels good for you and your family. And if watching Peppa Pig in your pajamas feels good, then that's okay. Then that's fine. You know, especially everything that's been going on. I think that's that's absolutely fine. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Zoe. Honestly, I had so much fun. Thank you. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme, which is a three-month programme called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. 
Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.